Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have to gather, tune in to study your word together. We trust you, merciful Father, that you will speak to us by your spirit and that you will help us to understand the words of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are looking at faith uh, because without faith, we can't live the spirit life. So we started to look at what faith is and how because of presumptions, people have thought that they were walking in faith when they didn't even know what faith means. And so we are going back to look at some dynamics of faith in God. When we talk of faith, we're not talking of faith, just faith. We're talking about faith in God specifically. Faith in God, faith in Jesus. So one of the dynamics of faith, dynamics is how it flows, how it works, is that faith sees the unseen because God is not seen. God is a spirit. And so if I want to have faith in God, then I'll be prepared, I will be prepared to believe the unseen. After all, I've started to believe the unseen. The first day, I started to believe in the unseen God. I've started to believe in the unseen when I started to believe that God is, when I chose to believe that God is. And the way I started to believe that God is, is not because I saw God anywhere. And so faith, first of all, sees what the natural does not see and is assured of them. This means that you understand and know. Mark these words. Understand and know. You can talk about what you don't know. Jesus said you worship what you don't know. We worship what we know. It's a a huge difference. Makes a lot of difference. What you understand and what you know, the truth not revealed to your natural senses, but you know them to be true, which is the activity of the Spirit of God, or what Jesus has done for you. We're not there at the cross. You didn't know what it meant, but it was done for you. Things that is not revealed to your natural senses, because remember what we've been saying all along, we're dealing with the kingdom of God that is not of this world. It's not part of this physical world. It's a spiritual kingdom. And Jesus is is a spirit now. Uh, God is a spirit now. The Holy Spirit is a spirit now. The word of God is spirit and life. So it's coming to understand and to know. That's what this world reveal does to you. It reveals to you a truth that is you can't confirm by what you see and what you feel. But you come to know that that truth is truth. You've come to know that God is, but you didn't confirm it by how you feel or by any other, any other means that is physical. So look at these scriptures, 11, Hebrew 11, 13. Faith sees what is not seen by the physical. And I don't mean visions, I don't mean that. I don't mean no. I mean understanding and knowing the reality of the existence of what is not seen and you are assured of them. Hebrew eleven thirteen. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them. Having seen them. Afar off, we are assured of them. 
they didn't, they didn't receive them. They didn't physically observe them. But they saw them. What do you mean seeing them? They knew they were, it was true. They had an understanding that this was real. And they were sure, they knew that it was such an assurance in their heart that these promises are real. They are real. And they embraced them, which means they accepted them as true and confessed that we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. So they saw it afar off. They were assured. And they embraced it. And they confessed it. And in Hebrew 11, 27, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going. Why was, why was he going? Kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He kept his eyes on the invisible God, meaning, well, not that he was really seeing God as such, but that he knew in his heart of the reality and the existence of God. The Bible says, why we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. So faith assures you, you know it, you believe it, that this is truth. This thing is truth. This thing is real. This thing exists. And you don't authenticate it or confirm it by any other thing except that you know and that you know and that you know that this is true. Job 19, 25 to 27. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand on, upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body, I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him not with my own eyes. I will see him with, sorry, I will see him with my own eyes. I'm overwhelmed at the thought. He says, God exists. My Redeemer lives. He will come to this earth, like he said. And I will see him. Now, this is, this is somebody who really believes in God. Believes. I can imagine when Joe began to have an understanding of Christ the Redeemer. These people saw these promises ahead of time. They saw it. They believed it. That the Redeemer is coming. I said he will step on this earth. He said, when, my, when I die, when this body is decayed, I will see God. I will see God with my eyes. Not with this decayed body because it would have gone. I will see God with my spiritual eye. So you can see that faith sees the unseen, understands the truth, believes the truth, knows the truth. And you believe not because you sin, but because you know. John 20, 29. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen. He's talking of Thomas. You believe because you have seen. You believe because you have seen. But blessed are those who believe without seeing. That's what faith is. You believe without seeing. You believe without seeing. So if you're waiting to see, you don't have faith. If you want to confirm what God has done by what you see, you don't have faith that we're talking about. Those who want to see before they believe walk by their natural senses. And remember that this thing is not revealed to your natural senses. So there's no correlation at all there. Now let's look at some examples. 
First Peter 1 8. Peter said, Whom having not seen, you love. You have not seen him, and you love him. How can you love somebody you don't see? How can you love somebody that doesn't exist? Whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not, you believe in, you rejoice with, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And these people are being persecuted. And Peter said, because you believe in him, you rejoice in the midst of all of it. Having not seen, you love him. You don't see him now, yet you believe him. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory in the midst of persecution. And so it's the Holy Spirit that reveals to man the unseen things of God. Ephesians 1.17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Revelation in knowing. In knowing. So that you come to know, not by means of what you see, not by means of classroom teaching, but by means of what the Holy Spirit reveals to you that this is truth. Revelation in the knowledge of the unseen God. In the knowledge of the unseen Christ. In the knowledge of your salvation, your redemption. In the knowledge of everything Christ has done. In the knowledge of him, your redeemer. Him, your savior. Him, your healer. Him, your helper. Him, your provider. Him, your life. Him, your hope of glory. Him that guarantees your blessings that they are yours. In the revelation, in the knowledge, in the knowledge, in the knowledge, in the knowledge, in knowing this truth. Revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding, see now, knowledge and understanding. I just want you to know that these are not weird things you do. It's not spooky kind of stuff. It's just having a knowing and understanding. You know, it's which you can have. Which you can have. You don't have to feel good, spend pulse or anything. And so he says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. Enlightened knowledge so you can know. So you can know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So you can know what are the blessings you have in him. You don't see them, but they are real. So you know, you know the riches of his glory, the performance of his power, what he has achieved for you. So you can come to know. Now let's, and they say, it's the Holy Spirit that reveals these things to us. That's why God sent him. So that he will lead us into all the truth. All of it. Into all the truth. Into all the truth. Not into social things. Into all the truth. Social things are carnal things that men do. Into all the truth. That's why he's here. And we need it because we need we need the truth for our faith. We need the truth. We need the truth. If we don't walk in truth, we walk in bondage. We need the truth. We need the truth. Now, Acts 16 14. One of them was Lydia of Tyre, Tyre, a merchant of expensive purple cloth. Expensive purple cloth who worshipped God, as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart. The Holy Spirit does this revealing. As she listened, 
If you are not going to listen, you will hear nothing. If you are not going to listen, if you are not going to give it attention, if it's not important to you, I can assure you right here that they will leave you alone. So you walk in the presumptions of your, of your heart. But she listened. She was attentive. It was important to her. And remember, she was a very rich woman. Very rich woman. But she listened to us. And then the Lord opened her heart. And she accepted what Paul was saying. If God didn't open her heart, she would not. She has so many options. She could say, this, these people are talking what I don't want to hear. But she listened. It was, she, was, she, she wanted to know. She had the desire to know. And the Spirit of God filled that desire. And once you desire, God feels it. God feels it. And so, we need to understand that it is important for us to have this revelation of truth, to come to know the truth, before we can talk of faith. Now, so, so many people Some people, because they are desperate for help, they need an answer quickly. They want God to do something. They don't take the time to get this knowing. They jump into it. Oh, they say, I have faith. Oh, I'm praying faith. Every time, faith. I have done this faith. Faith comes by hearing God's word. Hearing and hearing. You don't jump into something and say, I have faith. God speaks and you, you know from what he's telling you what has happened, what he did that you didn't see but which will come to be. That's how you have faith. So, Jesus said, John 8, 31, then said Jesus to those Jews who, which believed on him, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, there is a continuation in the word, then you are my disciples indeed. If you continue in my word, then verse 32, and you shall know this truth. You come to this knowledge and the truth shall now begin to work because faith comes with it. The truth begins to work for you, sets you free, sets you free. But it's preceded by continuing. I know people want all the, I, people want God to do something. Yes, Jesus said, continue in my word. Then the knowledge will come. Peter wrote it. We've been reading this scripture quite a lot now. Second Peter 1.19. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophet. You must pay close attention, like Lydia did. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. The scripture you have, the Bible you have. How do you read? How do you pay attention? How do you give it attention? For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Because, you know, our hearts can be filled with gloom, filled with unbelief, filled with fear, filled with all manner of things. Or, you know, can be full of anything. Uncertainty, oh, I don't know, I don't know. The world will tell you what, what is happening, so you know. So you know. God will show you what he's doing, so you know. Show you what he has done, so you know. 
Show you your promise that is yours, so you know. And so he says, you must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until, this word until, you must, must take note of that. Until the day dawns, until the light, light breaks in, and Christ, Christ the morning star shines in your heart. And Proverbs 4, 20 says, my son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my saying, let them not depart from thy eyes. Attain, give it attention. Let them not depart from my eyes. Let them keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life now to those who find them, who find them, who find them, who are interested in locating the truth, who want to know the truth. Not those who are not looking for it. Those who want to, who find them. It will become health to their flesh. Now, in, in, in dealing with uh, issues of life, we must be careful, very, very careful what we're doing. Their challenges are different. You must choose your own stone. You must choose the scriptures that build your faith in the direction of your challenge. If your challenge is character issues, you, you, you choose scriptures that teach you the new life you have. That build your faith to start to believe you are not what you are seeing. If it is finances, you choose scriptures that teach you so you know what, how God is, has dealt with it. And when you begin to focus on that, the Holy Spirit will teach you further. They will show you some, some of the things you are doing that are really hampering you. He will direct you because he promised us that he would do that. He will direct you. If you begin to acknowledge him, say, I will direct your path. Direct your path. So you don't walk in darkness. You walk as children of, as, of light. You, you don't go, your life is not a guesswork. The, Paul said you don't walk like beating about the bush. You know, just trying to grasp or whatever. No, you should be definite and know the path that you're following. Because you have the spirit that knows everything. He knows everything. He came here to reveal the future to you. He will show you all things. He will lead into all truth. So you don't walk in ignorance concerning whatever it is. So you need to choose your stone. What I mean by choose your stone is choose the scripture that deals with what you are facing. Now, 1 Samuel 17, 48. 1 Samuel 17, 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's back. So you reach into your Bible and taking out a stone. Of all the stones there, one was the one he picked. A stone. He didn't pick all of them. So you don't need too many scriptures. You just need one. You can have more if you want to. But you don't need all the stones. You need just one. Just one. Just one. They say a word is enough for the wise. You need just one. Reaching into his shepherd's bag. Taking out a stone, not many, and said, which one will walk here? No, it's not like that. You just take one. Out of the stones, take one. He hauled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the grass. So David triumphed over the Philistine. How did he triumph? With only a sling and a stone. Why did the Holy Spirit write this? He would have just ended and said, David tries to over the Philistine. 
Why did the Holy Spirit want to describe this for the church to read? With only a sling and a stone. For he had no sword. He couldn't even carry a sword. It was 12 years over. Only a sling and a stone. The word you, sl- you throw, the word you fling, we get your Goliath down, face down. The word you, you don't, the sword is the word. You don't need any other sword. The word, the word you sling. They brought carnal weapons on David. David said, I don't use these things. God does not fight these things. The weapons of God are spiritual. That's why you must be spiritually minded. If you are carnally minded, you use carnal weapons. You think it's yelling and shouting at the particular time. You did. All, those, all those things that have nothing to do with the word of God. The weapons of God are all spiritual weapons. Because you are dealing with a spiritual situation. You know, sometimes we miss it because we think, we, we, we forget that the things we see are made by the things we don't see. We forget that there is a spiritual dimension to so many things we deal with in life. And so we try to deal with it by physical strength, by, you know, fighting and quarreling and engaging. And they fell us because those are the same weapons they put on David. He said, Saul, this thing failed you. Why am I taking it? Well, he didn't put it exactly like this. But he said, I'm not using this. I've not, I've not tested them. So a lot of things that happen in the physical world are coming from the spiritual world. But most times we deal with them with a, you know, our energy and wisdom and we call people to begin to plan and use wisdom that's not from God. Instead of employing divine wisdom. And the Holy Spirit is here to show you the truth, the stone that will deal with that thing. The stone. The stone that will deal with that. And so you overcome with the stone, with your sling. You say, how do I throw the word? You speak it. You send it. Because you are the oracle of God. You speak it out. You send it. God sent the word. It Throws out the thing. You, you are the mouth of God. And to the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ now. That's, that's why you must know who you are and be serious and believe this things. You're not just such a church goer. You are joined to Christ. You're one. It's your mouth he's using. It's your hand he's using to lay on the sick. It's your mouth he's using to preach the gospel. We speak on his behalf. We are his representative. We are his body here. You, sleep, you send it out. You speak it out. He said the word I gave you should be in your mouth. If it's not in your mouth, it lies there dormant. You haven't sent the stone. And so some of the reasons that we don't see and get understanding or revelation is that we have other things that we trust. We have other things we look up to. Maybe you think you have a man of God. I just go to him and then once he prays and all my problems are solved. I wish it was like that. It would be, yeah, I wish it was like that. But it, it, God didn't show us like that. Paul, with all the anointing he had, when one of his co-workers were sick, he couldn't, he couldn't get him healed because the power to heal does not belong to Paul. It's not something Paul can shoot, switch on anytime he wants and get everybody healed. No. He even wrote, he said, he said this man nearly died. He said, God had mercy on us. God just had mercy on us and healed him. And he was his co-worker. If, if there was anybody Paul would want to be well, it was somebody working with him. 
He said he was sick near unto death and God had mercy on us. You don't switch on these things like switch. No, it's as the Holy Spirit wills. You don't command the Holy Spirit. You don't tell him what to do. You are not, you, you, he's not your house boy. He, he didn't come here to follow you. He came here, we follow him. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. You can't reverse it. So sometimes you have confidence. Oh, I have a man of God. Or if anything, oh, I go to a man of God. Anointing will always work. You haven't been reading this Bible well. If you have, you won't be thinking like that. Because Jesus has all the anointing unlimited. But the Bible says in his hometown he couldn't heal them. Because they didn't believe him. He could not heal them. Not that he didn't want to. He could not heal them. He could not means cannot. And the Bible talks of Israel limiting the unlimited God. Could not heal them. And then we have some other, you know, we have all manner of things in our heart we trust. We trust in my prayer. Oh, this one take four nine videos, that's it. Because that's where my faith is. So I don't care about what God wants to say. It doesn't matter. I will do four nine videos, period. That's the job. After it's been working for me. And so you don't have interest in hearing what God wants to say. We have all manner of things we trust. That we trust groups of people. Trust all manner of stuff. So we're not interested in really going back to God to hear his word. But Jesus recommended that we must go back to the word. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. If conditional, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. This is the Lord talking. You shall then ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. This is Jesus talking. But look at the Pharisees. They were not really interested. They were not interested at all. Matthew 15, 14. Let them alone. They'll be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. In verse Matthew 13, 14. Matthew, what I read was Matthew 15, 14. Now it's Matthew 13, 14. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand. See the word understand you shall not understand it. Even though you are sitting in church, you will not understand. And seeing you shall see, and you shall not perceive it, you will see it. Isn't there a sorry state for any human being that God says, you sit there, you're not going to see anything. I'm not revealing it to you. Why? In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, by hearing, you shall hear, and shall not understand. Seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. In verse 15. For these people's heart is wax gross. And their eyes are dull. Ears are dull of hearing. They don't want to hear. Dull are hearing. They are not excited to hear. They don't want to. And their eyes, they have closed. They don't have intention. Lest at any time they should see. See with their eyes and, what, and hear with their ears. And what will happen. And should understand with their heart. And what will happen. And should be converted and I will not heal them. The process, they will see it, they will hear it, they will understand with their heart and then be converted, their heart begins to go from unbelief to faith and I will not heal them. But they, are, they, are, they close their ears, they don't, they don't think it's, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. We have rituals we do. Oh, somebody told me about something to do. Something to do. 
Do this one, 2, two a.m., 3 a.m., four times, 10 times, ritualism. So the ear is, the ear is closed, the eye is closed. And God said, they will not hear. They will not hear. They're not going to hear because the interest is not in hearing. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. The other thing we need to talk about is that faith looks at one person. Faith does not look in different directions. It looks only at Jesus. Because that is the source of your faith. Only at Jesus. It doesn't look at a pastor. It doesn't look at people. It doesn't look at stories. It's there. This is happening there. No. It looks at Jesus. It doesn't look at what is happening to him. It looks at Jesus. Hebrew 12 from verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, we are living a life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. When you keep your eyes on Jesus and his word, faith comes. He perfects it. He keeps it steady. That's your source. You keep, it keeps it steady. Proverbs 4.24 Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thy eyes look straight on. Let thy eyes look straight on and let thy eyes eyelids look straight before thee. Straight. 26. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. 27. Turn not to the right nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Evil heart of unbelief. Keep thy eyes steady. Ponder what you what, what they want to look at. See, faith and doubt depends on where you are looking at. If you are looking unto Jesus, he's the author and the initiator and the finisher of your faith. But if you look away from him at sources that produce doubt, once you take your eyes off Jesus and start to look at the natural things that are your challenges, doubt naturally comes. That is the author and finisher of doubt. Those things apart from Jesus, they are the author and finisher of doubt. Because they are not what God is doing. They are not what the Holy Spirit is revealing to you. And then you start talking about them. Romans 4.19 And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead. He refused to look at his own body, now dead. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider these two things that was impossible to have children with. He considered them not. He, the point is that he ignored them. He didn't pay attention. That's, that's what it means. He considered it not. In his thinking, he did not consider, oh, 
I'm not 100 years old. Look at my wife. No, he didn't consider that in his thinking. If he did, his faith will go. That is the author and finisher of doubt and unbelief. He refused to look at them. 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Why? He refused to look at the source of unbelief. He refused. To, so I'm not looking. This is from where the unbelief is coming. This is what is challenging the truth that God is revealing me. Why should I look at it? This is what is telling me that God is not, is, is not true. So why should I look at it? So, <coughs> he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Why? He refused to consider the source of unbelief, the source of doubt, the contrary things that is the contrary things that is contrary to the truth. The imaginations that the devil gives, the thoughts and the imaginations of the heart that opposes the truth. If you look at them, that's the source, the author and finisher of fear, unbelief, doubt, worry. And everything that's evil. Because it's thing that prides itself against the knowledge of God, which God is giving you. You can't look at them. Peter. It's an example. Matthew 14, 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. Me, this is a human being. God said, come. One word. One word. Jesus didn't need ten. One word. Come. You don't need too many scriptures. One word. This man said to Jesus, speak the word only. That's all I need. One word from you. I don't need ten. Once you see people with so many scriptures, they're confused. Totally confused. Speak the word only. Only one word. Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. Why? The Lord said, come. I permit you to walk on water. Come. And when the Lord said it, even the water had it. So Peter stepped on and they said, yeah, the Lord that made us told him to walk on us. Everything obeys him. Everything, that's why storm obeys him. Everything. Okay, so now verse 30. But when he saw the wind, you see, Jesus was talking to him Faith was there to walk on water. But the devil said, I'm not going to watch this guy do this thing. So the devil caused him, which is what he does. And we're going to look at it further. He wants to distract you. He will bring fellow Christians that go to the same church with you. He will bring many who go to fellowship with you. They want to introduce, they want to introduce impurity coming from the world, coming from stories, coming from this. None of them from the spirit of God. No, no revelation, no accurate word of God. And you will not have peace when you are hearing them. Because that's the source and author of confusion. So the devil tries to cause confusion. Once you start, trouble arises because of the word. But blessed be the name of the Lord that you are an, already an overcomer. So now, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he saw the wind boisterous. And that wind was the source the author and finisher of doubt and fear. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt me? Why? You started to walk. 
You think I will call you into disaster? You think I will call you to die? Came to save your life, not to destroy it. Never heard of one person that Jesus killed. He was, he was, he was raising the dead, healing the people. So come, is, you are safe, come, I'm here. But the devil says, eh, really? He's looking at you. Let me show him something to look at. He caused a boisterous wind. And Peter looked at that wind. That wind is the author and finisher of fear, doubt, unbelief, sleeplessness, worry, evil report. All of it is coming from there. Guess what? That's the devil at work. And Peter began to sink. Peter, when I was walking, the same water that was covering him became ordinary water immediately. He began to sink because he was listening to a different word that's not from Jesus. And now when we're talking, I want to remind us that the devil tries to come back. And that's why many Christians lose the battle. Some of them stand strong and get what God gives them. And after some time, the symptoms come back. The things they thought was gone comes back and they say, I thought God did it. They were lost. The moment you confess that, that's it. Because you are saying, oh, I thought he did it. He didn't do it. That's from your mouth. Life and death comes from your mouth. You declare they didn't do it and everything like Peter goes, bracketam. You sink. Because you said, I thought he did it. Quit me. He never did it. Oh, I thought he healed me. Never did he heal me. Oh, he did and he still does. It's the enemy that is raising boisterous wind, wanting you to look at the source and finisher of doubt and unbelief. So you cue into his unbelief. is feeding you. Look forth at him. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. <laughs> for a season. I like the living translation. He said, when the devil has finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. He will leave until the next opportunity. He will want to come back with the same things. He said, listen, I thought God hit me. The pain is back. Stop. He has come back because he found opportunity. Maybe you are no more studying. Maybe you are no more even looking at the Bible. Maybe you watch television 24 hours and talk of games and things. Those are not the stones you need. He knows when you are not doing what you are supposed to do. He comes in when you are low in, 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 in your faith. He tries to come back then. You are no more excited about the word of God. In opportune time, he knows when to come. When you don't expect, like, he comes like a thief. The Bible says when men slept, the enemy so starts. It's when you sleep. When you are asleep, you are no more watchful. When men sleep, that's where he sows his ties. He comes back. You used to be at the Bible studies, you need to listen, you need to do this. You need to be hot and fervent in this place. But he knows when you are no more. comes and brings the same things and your mouth starts yapping. Hey, if you know what is happening to me, what's happening to me? But God, they, God no day, nothing for you. You are looking at the author and finisher of confusion and that's the devil. So, you need to hold fast to what you are saying now. You need to hold fast to looking unto Jesus continuously. You don't remove it. You don't change what you said. He did it then. He did it now. 
is forever done, permanently settled. When he opens a door, nobody closes it. What he plants cannot be operated. If he did it, he did it, he did it, he did it. His word is yea and amen. It's not yea today, tomorrow, no. No, 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 no. He healed you, he healed you, he healed you. That's his testimony. And see, who will believe me now? You rise up and say, no, he healed me. I hold on to what he said. Satan, you are a liar. Get out of here. In Jesus' name, I, let me throw out this stone. I, didn't he get it the first time? This stone is coming now. This stone I used the first time. I am speaking the same thing. You throw it at him again. Draw your sword and say, I'm speaking the same thing, Satan. What I spoke then, I'm still saying. I'm still saying it. I throw the stone at you. Oh, I like the testimony a sister gave yesterday at our believers meeting. Oh, he blessed me a lot. A young, this youth, man, God bless this our youth. Rising generation. Man, I feel like joining their church. Awesome. So I'm going to apply. If they will take me. You know, this, this sister, she said, he said, I was exercising and I had pain, sharp pain. And my spinal cord and everything. It was so painful. And I said, really? All right, I'm going to pick my scripture. And she took her scripture. And she began to speak to the devil. She began to fling that stone like David. She began to speak it. It is written. It is written. And he said, the following day, the thing got worse. He said, okay, you didn't hear it the first time. I'm going to force you to hear it now. That's the, oh, I wonder how heaven will be proud of her. This is the real worship of Jesus. This is somebody who lifting Jesus up and say, you are still Lord. You are still my healer. You are, oh, this is the real deal. Man, this is the real deal. And she said, the thing just left. Shame like that. Why wouldn't he leave? Why wouldn't he leave? Isn't the word of God true? Didn't Jesus heal her? Didn't Jesus heal her? Is this made up story? If it's made up story, let's stop. Let's go and find other things and do. But this is truth. Revelation 2.25 But that which you have received, hold fast. That's the point. That's the point. You received it. Yeah, receive healing. Yeah, hold fast. The pain comes to you. No, 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 no. You are not stealing this. You are not get taking it. Are you, are, are you drunk, Satan? Are you, did, who sent you here? It's you. You thought this opportune time. I'm living ready. I'm living. Watch and pray. I am careful. I am feeding. I am studying. And I'm ready. And then you take that stone. Yum. Another one. The thing will go straight to that Goliath. Pram, you come and you stand on top of him and give testimony like the sister gave yesterday. You stand on top of him and let the world know that Jesus is Lord over this thing. And that's what made people believe in him. They are tired of tracks. The kingdom of God should be proved. Jesus never gave tracks. All he did was prove the kingdom and people were rushing into the kingdom. They saw that, wow, this is a place that God does this with. God does this. They rushed into the kingdom. They follow him everywhere. He said, the kingdom of God is here. If you don't believe me, how about the works that God did? The, my father and me doing these works. How about the works? Believe because of the works now. She was testifying the works that Jesus did. The victory that Jesus gave her. Who doesn't want to be in that kind of good thing? Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. You don't waver. No, no. You don't confess what this, the author and finisher of doubt is telling you. 
you confess what the author and finisher of faith is telling you. Because faith comes from what he told you. You hold fast to it. You worship what may. You, you worship. Take your tambourine and say it's time to worship the Lord. Devil, you want to see something? I'm going to worship the Lord in your face. I will worship the Lord in your face. You don't count. Number three. Faith does not look back at the past. Because that's not where your faith is coming. Remember, faith looks only at Jesus. Don't look back at the the past. Your faith is not coming from your experience. Your faith is coming from Jesus. From Jesus. He gives you fresh word. He does new things every day. Romans 4.20 Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. Why? Because Abraham was not thinking of all the years they were barren. He was not going back and thinking. No, he said, God gave me a new word. That's it. He believed according to that which was said. I made the father of many nations. See, he didn't go back and say, hey, what of all these years? We didn't see anything. No, no, no. He didn't go back there. Hebrew eleven fifteen. If they had longed for the country they came from, if they were longing for the country they came from, they would have gone back. They would have gone back. You must put your past experience behind you. Forgetting those things that are past, your failures, whatever. Even some people carry past experience into their marital relationship. They say, she's not, she's not like Jane. My friend, Jane is gone. This is the one I gave you. This is the favor God gave you. If you keep thinking of Jane, your marriage will crash. The devil will scatter it. You won't have Jane. You won't have this one. Which one? Nothing. My mother cooks like this. Are you a baby? Your mother is not your wife. Your mother is not your wife. You married a wife. And your wife doesn't have to be like your mother anyway. We can't go to the back and carry it and carry it along. It will ruin your faith. Your faith doesn't come from looking at the behind. The Bible says, forgetting these things that are behind, we must follow scripture. We move forward, pressing forward. God says, I do new things every day. For you to come into the new thing, you forget. Remember not the former things. Don't remember them. Hebrew 11.15. We were reading it. If they had longed for the country they came from, they would have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And then, you remember Israel? They had mixed multitude like the church has mixed multitude among our people. And then the foreigners among them deceived them by taking them back to Egypt and saying, look at what we used to enjoy in Egypt. Numbers 11.4. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. Brethren, think of that. When hey, they're craving the things of the world where God delivered them from bondage, from all that suffering, 
And these people were craving it. Evil communication. They were craving it. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Looking at the back, the, the back also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they have, they have forgotten all the labor, all the bondage they were in. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. Are you serious? Brethren, do you remember their labor, their suffering? And God said, I've seen the suffering of these people. Now they have forgotten all of that. Sometimes we forget all the things that God did for us. Because the enemy and some friends you keep, we talk into thinking God has done nothing. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons. You should go to African farmer's market and get melon. Melons, leeks, onion, of all things, onions, and garlic we wanted. Verses. But now our appetites are gone. All we have, all we ever see is this manna. This is manna from God. The manna looked like small coriander seeds and it was pale yellow like gum resins ate. The people would go out and gather it from the ground. They made flour by grinding it with hand mills or pounding it in a mortar. Then they boiled it in a pot and made it into flat cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries baked with olive oil. The manna came down on the camp with the dew during the night. Now, be careful, brethren. I want to warn us. You know, I was talking about on Sunday. When people begin to crave the world, the manna of God becomes tasteless. When people crave the world in your fellowship, in your church, you know them. Jesus said, I'm the manna. The manna of God becomes tasteless. And they begin to crave the entertainment of the world, the social things of the world. They have forgotten that the devil is the God of that world that we were delivered from his bondage, set free from power of sin and destruction and hell. They crave it. They want to lure you to crave it with them. They don't talk about Jesus. You know, there are people who go to church who never talk about Jesus. They find it difficult to talk about Jesus. They talk about God, believe in God. Believe in God is God. Is Jesus is the message. Evil communication will destroy your faith, I'm telling you now. So when, when the manner of God is tasteless to you, how do you survive? Jesus said, I'm the manna that gives you life. It's from him your faith comes. And the devil wants it to be tasteless, so you drop it quickly. Is your faith going to come from your social things and come from all those things of the world? Is your faith coming from the world? No, what will come from the world is the source and fin- is the author and finisher of fear, destruction, sinfulness, partying, drinking, socializing, all this nonsense that the kingdom of God does not include. That's where you get it from. And their God is Satan. It's the devil. The foreigners are among them. Say, do you remember what we used to eat? Remember when I used to party? And they say we should not date. My boyfriend used to have boyfriend. Okay. 
If you don't learn by wisdom, you learn by experience, one way or the other. You will know that when God says don't do something, it's for your own good. Second part, we'll just mention it briefly because of time. Faith speaks about what truth it knows to be true, regardless of what the facts are. It speaks, it testifies of that truth it has come to know. It testifies according to what is revealed. Speak from God's point of view, not the words. Second Corinthians 4, 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. You believe, you know it, you are talking about what you know. First John 4, 5. Those people belong to the, this world, so they speak from the world's point of view, and the world listens to them. See what I'm saying? The world listens to them. Should you? Should you also? Are you part of the world? Should you? The world listens to them. But we belong to God. And those who know God listens to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. They think you don't know what you're talking about. You are not modern. Oh no. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. His word doesn't change. His word doesn't change. If Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, the church will be the same because we are his body. We don't modernize Jesus. He lives in eternity. You don't modernize him. He lives in timelessness. And then First Peter says, of course, your former friends are surprised when you do no longer plunge into the flood of wild, destructive things they do. So they slander you. Of course they slander you. So they call you names. They didn't call you names. They call Jesus names too. They did. But the Bible says when they do this, it says rejoice for the power of God rests on you. The power rests on you. We'll continue on Thursday on the words that faith speaks. Faith speaks about the truth. He knows. So we're going to talk about how faith praises God. And faith does not murmur. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Precious Father, I want to thank you for your word that has come forth. Trusting you with it. Trusting you with your people. You are the builder of your church. You are the teacher of this word. You are the revealer of this truth. Father, let your name be glorified in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.